Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, welcome together, KMOX Home Improvement. Lots of things happening right here on University of KMOX. Scott Mosby, two hours, ten phone lines. We've got the gerbil turning out 50,000 watts here. We can broadcast to you. You can call us on ten phone lines, 314-436-7900. Toll-free, 800-925-1120. Two hours to talk about you. Happy Memorial Day for all those that uh, have fallen in the service of our country, uh, home and abroad as well. Uh, We've got so many people out there touching that uh, it used to be for veterans abroad. Uh, Now, with the terrorisms, it's the first responders, those that uh, we've lost as well. But uh, remember, with the wonderful weather, the patio gatherings, the friends, the family, that's the why. We can talk about that and the things around your home that are a little bit short of adequate. Or maybe that space that just doesn't quite work anymore. We've had just a little bit of rain. Well, okay, a lot of rain. And we've got Randy Pantano here from Helitech this morning, a special guest in for uh, the next uh, few times. And Randy's going to talk to us about foundations repair from Helitech. Randy, good morning, my friend. Yes, good morning. Well, uh, you've been out and about. Uh, you've been uh, amongst the cats and dogs falling out of the skies. We sometimes call rain. Uh, some of that rain saturates the soil and just does not good things. Yes. yes, yes <laughs> Will you stick true. around with us a little bit, Randy, and see what's cooking here? Yes, sir. <laughs> right on. You bring a little bit of experience. How long have you been with Helitech? 16 years in the business. Oh, my goodness. So we call that been around the block. Yes, sir. You've been around the block. Okay. Sometimes we get caught under the tires. Uh, hopefully that doesn't ca- happen more more than occasionally for the learning. At least that's my experience. I, I don't like to see the tire treads as they go over me. Yep. All right, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. This is our 70th year, 7-0. I'm not that old. I'm not even that smart. But I was smart enough to learn from my father, who had 45 years of experience, young punk of a kid when I started out. And I just, you know, you know, my dad's just my dad. Well, as I got to work with him as an adult, when it was a peer-to-peer, I realized, hey, that dad, that guy, a lot of people listen to him. They, they seem to think what he has to say is pretty important. Uh, so at the age of 20, I started paying attention like many of you out there. Uh, so in terms of the life lessons, got most of that. Uh, the experience on the job site, the construction, uh, the whole people handling. I, I just love that stuff. Uh, I love my career. I'm outside. I'm inside. I work with creative people. I work with technical people. I'm talking to engineers on how to hold stuff up. Uh, and, and it just, uh, and it only counts when all that stuff comes together. That's really what I do well. I'm kind of a 
traffic cop, if you will, uh, team uh, organizer, if you will. I get people to play well together in the sandbox. Uh, I may still be back in kindergarten. Sometimes people accuse me of being further than that in my uh, learning curve, but we can discuss that here on CAMWAX. 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's see if we can get our phone lines going right off the bat. We've got George and a noisy sump pump. George, let's get you fired up, see what's cooking. Good morning, George. Scott Mosby here and Randy Pantano. How can we help? Good morning, gentlemen. Um, yes, I have a sump pump that uh, does the job. It takes the water away, no problem there, but it is noisy. I can hear it upstairs in the living quarters, and there's apparently some harmonics connected to it at all. So I was wondering what can be done about that. Randy, would you take a swing at that, yeah, see if you I, can help George? Yeah, I would say that's a sign of the, of the pump on its way out. I would go ahead and, and be proactive and change it out. Uh, I don't know how old the pump is, but... Uh, it's it's uh, six months that. old. Oh, six months old. Okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I got a... I don't know. I think it's the connectivity with the, the uh, pipes and such that are making the noise. I don't know. George, what kind of... Uh, is it an electric sump pump? Yes. Okay. Yes. All yeah. right. And it, it's in a new construction as well. Okay. So, yeah. It, um, it, it, I've had sumps for years, and they've never really made that kind of noise, which was annoying. Yeah. Um, but this one is. Well, not all sump pumps are created equal. You've got your bargain basement time. Uh, you've got the price points. You've got the radium quality. And then the most expensive ones tend to get to what you're speaking to, more quiet, more reliable. They've got the bushings and bells and whistles. And, you know, most of the world says that's too expensive until they lose sleep. So maybe, you know, maybe that's the page you're looking for. It's just a little bit further up the food chain, you know. <laughs> Randy, would you agree? Uh, yes, I would agree, and uh, like you said, you may want to uh, kick it on and stand by it yourself there, put some water in it, activate the float, and uh, you mentioned uh, the hooks on it. There's J-hooks that it's braced on to the joist and the foundation and make sure the uh, the discharge line is connected tightly. Like you said, it may be that mm -hmm. nice yeah. versus okay. the pump. We find the cast iron pumps are, are, are much quieter, such as uh, Zola, or Little Giant, or good brand names as well, but mm -hmm. you mentioned the connectivity, so I would just stand by it and Make sure it's all tight because you know, it be, sure. could be vibration noise as well. Yeah. Very good. Mm -hmm. George, one of the consequences of the big box stores is gen they're, they're looking for products that they can sell a lot to to a lot of people. Um, when you get, uh, you know, a plumber or somebody like Randy or a professional that, you know, their name's connected to it, we tend to buy better stuff because we don't want to be uh, right. noisy. So uh, just understand where, uh, as a professional in the industry, I'm seeing a lot more um, product out there that Randy and I would not choose to put in a home. So. Are the sub submersibles uh, quieter and reliable? Oh, Randy, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, yes. they're down under yes. the water, yes. so you know, recommend that. even if they are noisy, they tend to be noisy inside the water. Mm -hmm. Now that yeah. makes sense, Randy. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Now, there's a lot to how you nail that on if it's nailed to the floor joist, too. So the piping, you can put grommets and rubber. Uh, we deal with a lot of these noisy things with ductwork and furnaces and you know, irrigation, all that stuff is. So, you know, there's installation and then there's installation. <laughs> okay. 
So thank you, gentlemen. All right, George. Thanks for the call. Bye now. Randy, anything about uh, uh, pumps? I mean, generally, you guys put in a whole lot of uh, basement waterproofing systems. Um, so you're you're a big consumer of pumps. It matters. It, yes, it does. And uh, what I see mostly out there is nobody changes them out, you know, until they go bad. And then it's like a Sunday <laughs> night at 10, 10 p.m. and nothing's open and they can't change it and so forth. And uh uh, we still, you know, we, we put a three-year warranty or a pump, five-year warranty, battery backup. Uh, I've seen people in, you know, 10, 15-year-old pumps in their house. Well, yes. it still works, and, and it's true. But I would certainly be proactive and change out ahead of time. You know, yeah. I tell people it's like to tread on your tires or your car. You know, you get so many trades, it's time to change. You don't wait for them to go flat. Uh, at least have a spare in the basement or, or uh, have it changed out ahead of time before, you know, Murphy's Law happens at the worst time. I call that a mm-hmm. failure-based learning style. Mm-hmm. When everything fails in your basement, then floods because mm-hmm. your sump pump wore out. Mm-hmm. You know that that's failure-based yes. learning style. It, you know, <laughs> I'm Randy's advocating a little mm-hmm. bit of repair before she's dead. Mm-hmm. All right, three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Randy Pantano, Heel Attack, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We are fifty thousand watts at your service here on KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, KMOX Home Improvement. We are live and lively here on University of KMOX. 50,000 watts here. Let's go see what's cooking with Lynn. And we are talking with Randy Pantano today, Helitech in the station, Scott Mosby, and now Lynn on the line. Lynn, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. Good morning, Scott. Um, I have a quick question. A relative of ours is having their kitchen remodeled. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a house that was built in the 1930s. And one wall behind the sink and the cabinets uh, the people that are doing the work want to take it, the plaster down, knock it all out, and replace it with drywall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, over the years, it's been painted over and everything. But sh- nothing's been mentioned about testing for lead or asbestos. Don't know if that's necessary, how you would do it, etc. Uh, asbestos tends to be not uh, not something that's in the plaster. So some of it is, you know, with experience, knowing where those materials were built into the, uh, the history and where they were not. Um, so it's important. Your question is valid. Uh, typically... Uh, um, prudent demolition methods, for example, fly and dust around a kitchen, negative pressure, uh, filters. We run what's called build clean. We have a continuous, huge air filter that runs on our projects, and it just, you know, sucks the dust out of the air and spits out clean stuff on the other side just for our own workers. Sure. You know, and then you, you know, what residue you leave behind in the house. So some of that is in professional methods, just, you know, know where it is. Asbestos, we wouldn't necessarily test for because we run into it, and the application of that is usually on pipes. Uh, the app to run into that inside the wall, wrapped around a pipe or a piece of ductwork. Okay. Um, so that usually is on the other side of the plaster. What we would find in the plaster 1930s uh, could be horsehair plaster, horsehair hair uh, as a fiber reinforcement. Um, sometimes we find uh, all kinds of things. Generally, they're allergens, but not necessarily toxins. The lead paint is a given. Generally, you're knocking some plaster off the wall. You're going to enta- and encounter some red lead paint. That's where we use the build clean. Uh, that build clean might exhaust
exhaust outside, and it's more for the workers than it is for the occupants. Oh, and, and okay. T- but there could be lead in the paint, and I, as I understand it, if you leave things alone over the years, you're fine. But once you knock it apart or whatever, that's when you have an issue. Yes, yes. And, and lack, uh, actually, uh, when you get to the asbestos, that's like six parts per billion above that, you know, per billion with a B. So, I mean, that is where the occupants are now really susceptible. Uh, LSWP, lead safe work, pra- that's primarily for the employees, but you can leave some nasty lead behind. Sure. So some of that is just um, how clean, um, how the term I use is housebroken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they using good practices? So, uh, you know, and the further up the food chain you are in companies, the more they tend right. to assume the worst. Um, these are people that um, my relative knows, and they have rehabbed really old houses for a long time. So. I'm hoping they're going to know about this and bring it up. Well, let me give you a statistic. Uh, the RRP residential repair uh, practices, uh, the lead safe, all that legislation now is about seven or eight years in process. Oh. Still only 30% of the industry is tested and certified. Oh, wow. So um, just because they know what they're doing doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they are trained and certified in this. In that. Yeah. In that, that's... You know, it just, um, if you're small enough, you fly under the radar, you don't get caught, you can't be found by the EPA and OSHA, so... Yeah, and we want to do the right thing. I mean, I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, so if they're not... Is there someone that can be called in separately to test it or mitigated? That would have to be done as the work is done, as the wall is taken down. Well, frankly, on plaster and removal, uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I, I would okay. look at how clean their practices are, how much they walk around. The house. Again, it's just are they good roommates or right. not? Uh, right. When you get into asbestos, that's all. Everything I said doesn't count. Yeah, yes. That's all licensed abatement. Everybody leaves. Yes. Uh, you know, everything, you know, basically you're in biohazard, you know. Yes, territory. Right, right, right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. Okay, Lynn. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Home Improvement, Camoex, Scott Mosby, Randy Pantano, Helitech. Absolutely, you're you're hearing um, one of the questions from Lynn about lead. Uh, I promise you, when uh, when I first started in the industry, that was the tail end of lead paint. And think of this: I mean, lead paint was magical stuff. So was asbestos. Think about having a piece of wood on the outside of your house. And the paint was mixed out of a uh, powdered lead that came from, you know, Potosi. Uh, south of here, we have some of the biggest lead deposits in the country right here in, say, in the Missouri area. Uh, and you mix that up with turpentine or mineral spirits and you get it in a, in a solution or suspension with that oil, you throw a little pigment in, that's what lead-based paint was, and that's what decorators did. So you hear painting, um, and, you know, the Painters Union is the uh, painting painters and decorators. They're not the same. A decorator is, you will hear great resistance because they actually made their own paint. They mixed their own pigments. Uh, they were the chemists of the coating world. Um, and today, that 
that's all been moved up into the manufacture realm. Uh, well, you know, some of it is self-correcting because all those decorators died messing with all that powdered lead. So it's it's a big deal. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred four three six seven nine hundred toll free eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. So back to the lead thing. Uh, it, all that paint went on the walls. They didn't so much use the lead inside the house, but, you know, for a porch or siding or exterior trims or doors, if you could get a sheet of non-ferrous metal laid over the outside of something, holy smokes, you know, that's like sheet lead, sheet copper, sheet aluminum, you know, something that it will slightly oxidize, but you can keep, you know, the coatings on for a long time. So this is good stuff. Until you and I come along and we start sanding or blowing this thing apart and, uh, you know, and it is what it is. What brought it to the forefront was um, unattended children, high-density housing, chewing on windowsills with 20 coats of lead-based paint on it. Uh, so until the children started coming up with the lead poisoning, um, we didn't really know it as an industry. Well, let me back up. So that's the obvious answer. However, you and I were driving around cars with lead paint, lead gas, leaded gas, where we dumped that same lead into the gasoline, drove around all the neighborhoods six feet from the jungle gym and the dirt on the playgrounds. So the kids couldn't help but get the lead. Um, then we wind up with this, you know, lead safe work practices, RRP legislation, all of that that we wind up doing on the whole industry. So that's some of the regulation stuff you're hearing that's being bantered back and forth and back and forth of what it costs and what the benefit is um, because there are very few. It's a nasty, nasty affliction if anybody gets too much heavy metals in their system. The question is how many, where, and why. Uh, so anyway, don't get, I'm getting close to my politics, uh, you know, up on my stump here. 314-436-7900, 436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. I want to invite you to the callmosby.com website, how to create the perfect patio party. Yeah, it, it, we, we do some blogs and... Uh, you know, we've got a particularly good one that's on uh, this week that I, I think is worth it. So uh, check it out. It's a good one. Randy, what's cooking with you and your world? You're out and about uh, all over. I understand you've got a pretty busy day with all the rain that's uh, happened in the area. Yes, we're still backlogged with estimating. Estimating today, people have never had water, have got water in the basement and uh, concerned about it happening again, uh, even with tonight's rain scumming. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you tell, you know, to, you're getting the same questions, I imagine, on many, many of those same visits. Is there a, a preamble, something you can share that's kind of universal to everybody that's got water in their basement? Yeah. I, I, the main thing is to keep the water away from your house. Uh, so many times the, the gutters aren't cleaned. Uh, it's a big issue here. Downspout stopping against the foundation, not extended at least 10 feet away or more. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the backfill saturation getting wet and coming in. Uh, the path of least resistance, which could be a crack in a wall or where the wall floor meet. Yeah, self-inflicted wounds basically yes. making mm -hmm. the water come to the basement. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yes, or poor drainage. Well, let's, let's talk over. about that in the second half hour mm -hmm. here. Uh, get into that and, and how people can, um, you know, what they can do themselves to lessen this issue. Because when you get half inch of rain, everything works fine. Mm -hmm. You get four and a half inches of rain, everything does not work fine. Yes. You get 10 inches of rain, holy smokes, that mm -hmm. house is trying to float up out of there like a big boat. 
<laughs> All right. That's correct. Randy Pantano, Helitech. Phone lines wide open for you. The gerbil is cranking around on the treadmill. 314-436-7900. Toll free 800-925-1120. As you get ready for your holiday weekend gathering, and I promise the weather's coming up pretty good here in the next couple of days. We're going to have some rain. I promise that, but good weather too. You heard it here first on KMOX. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, Randy Pantano of Helitech sitting in, a project specialist. He's been around the block just a few times helping us noodle through things on basements, wet basements, um, all sorts of helical pillars, holding stuff up. Well, let's just say uh, structure counts, basements are important, uh, any house riding on top of concrete probably needs some attention from Randy Pantano and the Helitech team. Uh, 314-436-7900. We have phone lines open. You're next and 800-925-1120. Right now, let's see what's cooking with Gary. Gary, good morning. Welcome to the CAMOX team. How can we help you, my friend? Uh, my question is, was asbestos ever used as insulation in the attic? Recently, my uh, daughter had her had a heating man come over and was looking to have a furnace put in, and he wanted to see the attic. And he looked up there, and he goes, oh, lady, he says, uh, he says you got asbestos in the attic. And right away, she became alarmed. They just bought the house. And uh, I've never heard of asbestos being used in the attic as insulation. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's not It's not like a bunch of fibrous asbestos like fiberglass up there. Um, uh, is this a, a, a masonry house, a brick and such? Yes, sir. Yeah, see, um, concrete block have cores in it. Bricks have cores in it. And zonolite, Z-O-N-O-L-I-T-E, looks like the packing popcorn. That's the stuff that's probably up in your attic. So zonalite uh, has asbestos in it because here's the thought process at the time. Well, if you have a house fire and you've got, you know, most of the houses are built out of masonry at the time those houses were built. Why don't we just put, as, you know, insulation up there that won't burn? Oh, there's a good idea. Let's just load yeah. up the attic with that stuff. So they did. Made sense at the time you know, like every uh, issue we face in the future like that. But you betcha, and it probably looks like little popcorn peanuts, the packing peanuts, only dark gray and probably dusty by now. But you betcha, we, uh, the, the a- action for that, Gary, is to vacuum it out. You have to have basically the homeowners leave the house for a day or two. They set up the house with negative pressure so that the air, you know, you're bringing in fresh air and blowing out any dust that might get into the living quarters. They go up in the attic with big vacuum cleaners, monkey suits, and air respirator systems, you know, with contained air. And they suck this stuff out and vacuum your attic. And then uh, at that point, you've done all the homework for sealing all the air leaks because every pipe, every wire, every problem, every insult, you know, every uh, electrical box is now visible and accessible. So, you know, at that point, then at least me, at, we at the Mosby team look at us, so let's go up and make sure everything's ship shape. Let's seal up all those air leaks and then we'll re-insulate once we're finished with, you know, whatever it is. But you betcha. Can you, ball, can you ballpark the cost of that? Oh, it's somewhere three to $5,000. It's not a cheap date. You know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, a big deal. And it's a little bit of an inconvenience for the homeowners because it's best when they're not there, you know. Okay. 
And it's a good time to do it not when the pollen's flying, because if you do it in April and May, you open up the windows, you put these big fans in it, and you suck all that pollen in and then, you know, put it all over the house. So now's a good time to actually do that, frankly. Now is a good time? Yeah, it is, because your your pollen is not so plentiful here. You're just starting the beginning of the season where outside air is not going to be dirtier than the inside air, dirty being pollen-laden. You know what I mean? So, so actually, uh, April, May is the best months to do it. Worst months to do it. Late May, June, July, and earlier. When it's cold, when you don't want to open the windows in the spring, that's good time. Now, in the fall, it starts getting dusty. So, yeah. Uh, so if you had to do it in your house, what month would you pick? Uh, I'd probably pick a, a fall, winter month. Uh, I'd be right uh, October, November. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have any other questions, Gary? This is a big well, deal. It's it more looks, common. Does it look like, does it look like um, rock wool? No. No, this looks like um, um, packing peanuts, like from the UPS store, from FedEx, from, you know, you get something. Okay. And they're about the size of a mothball. They're okay. lightweight. They feel like foam, you know, styrofoam. They're lighter okay. color. They have colors and, and gray in it. Uh, and they, it's a great material. And sometimes it could be the size of BBs, you know, small. And what they okay. did is they still, there's a material like that without the asbestos that we use in the dump down inside the cores of concrete blocks for insulation. So that's why I they see. did this kind because it's it flows like sand. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a great right. insulator. Just uh, you know, living creatures don't like it much. So, if, uh, worst case scenario, if you do nothing with it, then what kind of risk do you run? Yeah, you're in pretty good shape. It, that's but you can't go up in the attic. You know, I mean, okay. it's nasty stuff. So uh, I'm surprised it wasn't called out on the home inspection uh, as something. Well, that's to what check I would further. think. They just bought the house a year and a half ago. Yeah, generally an ins a home inspector will get up there, look around, and say, "Oh, it could be. Please check for." And you know that I bet you a nickel it'll be up. It'll be written into that home inspection. Someday. Is that a is that a mistake by the home inspector? Uh, I'll bet it's in that inspection sheet. Most if you have an ASHI American Society of Home Inspectors, you know if you get an experienced inspector, they're going to call that out. And most inspection sheets almost have that in the you know the boilerplate print. So. Okay. You know, I, I would All be right. very surprised if the inspector missed anything like that. Well, they're the first-time home buyers. They yeah. they scrimped this to buy a house. They bought a house, and now she's all upset that she's got this kind of problem, and they just got a, a newborn, too, so... Yeah, well, mothers get more than unusually worried. Uh, new homeowners get surprised and shocked. Older homeowners have been surprised and shocked enough with we that just like, oh, okay, that's the latest issue. All right, we'll do it. So I, I recognize the the issue, uh, but it's been happening for a hundred years. So and what, what era? What era was that that, that was used? Uh, really, nineteen um, hundreds to nineteen before the war, nineteen thirty five, nineteen forty five, maybe. Sometimes you can get them into the fifties, um, but you know, asbestos became a great big thing primarily from about twenty five to nineteen seventy. And it was outlawed in 1977. Anything in 1978 could not have any asbestos in it. But it was a miracle fiber. It still is. It's just not good for living creatures. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Gary. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye.
And that's just it. I mean, uh, DDT was okay. Asbestos is uh, magical. Um, you know, we've got all kinds of things that um, were truly breakthroughs. And, you know, you hear some of the silly stuff in my industry, you know, construction, remodeling. It's like, well, didn't you guys know any better? No, we didn't. You know, manufacturer came out with a cool something. It solved eight out of 10 problems. Uh, you didn't have the experience of years. That stuff gets built in like asbestos all over the place. Um, you know, just got, or lead pipes. You know, I, I guarantee you 20% of the people listening to me have zone light insulation in their attic, you know, especially in the inner core around city of St. Louis and the suburban, you know, U city and nowhere, those areas, uh, in that same area, you've got lead water pipes, all the stuff you hear about, you know, the school system in the city of Detroit that has lead based, uh, pipes. Oh, I see houses every week in St. Louis that have lead-based water supply pipes. So, you know, it is what it is. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We can talk about this and more. Randy Pantano here of Helitech. We're going to get back here in a minute. We're going to talk about some of the things you can do around your house to protect your home from water. Fair enough, Randy? Yes. Yes. Right on. We'll be right back. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, Randy Pantano here. Lots of things happening. We are yours and yours alone. 314-436-7... Oh, wait a minute. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Pardon me, hit the wrong microphone there, but I promise I'll get it right. Uh, so we're talking about all sorts of things here. One of caller that didn't have enough time to hold, um, the question was they had banging pipes when flushing the toilets. So for you out driving around, probably couldn't hold the line. Here's the answer. Uh, there is a uh, ball cock that the toilet guts, think about that float that as the toilet tank fills up, that ball lifts up and with enough pressure, it shuts off the water to that toilet. If the spring in that toilet guts or, or ball cock uh, valve, if you will, um, as that gets tired or loose, if you will, uh, it can no longer shut off the water with the strength of stopping it and it'll flutter. So you get a little bit of motion and that ball uh, cock starts bouncing up and down and you get a little bit of psh, off, psh, off. Psh. So it's filling and you get this rocking thing. Well, that's pipe hammer. And that really starts shaking the whole pipe supply, water supply system in your house. And it can sound like, you know, it can sound like a machine gun, uh, all sorts of things. But that's pipe hammer. Uh, the answer is to change the guts in that toilet. When you flush that toilet and you start hearing that, um, that's usually the source. Or that valve tries to shut it off and it just quite can't get it closed off. And you get that, you know, or it can sound like a reed instrument, a foghorn sort of thing, clarinet, saxophone. Uh, but it's usually the toilet guts. Another source of that is a solenoid valve, washing machines that have a water electronic magnetic uh, solenoid uh, uh, valve. Uh, dishwashers also have that same thing. When those uh, springs get tired, they start uh, being the culprits behind that pipe hammer. So uh, those three things, toilets, dishwashers, 
and clothes washers all have solenoid valves on them or valve-based uh, things with springs. So that's important. Uh, each of those things are culprits for pipe hammer. Pipe hammer is important. Get her done. Uh, Randy, uh, top of the hour here. Um, you're heading out looking at more things. Uh, what likely things are you to see this afternoon out talking to the myriad of people with water basement problems? Yes, a lot of uh, cracking, too. Uh, we've seen a lot of cracks yeah. that have never leaked or leaking now. Uh, it's a good idea to call us if you've seen things in the foundation, our brick. Uh, we do lots of times crack readings. Sometimes it's just a simple crack, uh, shrinkage crack. Uh, other times it's structural. Could be some sediment, some horizontal movement. Uh, uh, in the industry, we hear so much about, oh, horizontal cracks, you know, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, they can be bad, but mostly the horizontal cracks are, are worse on a block foundation than a port foundation. Uh, diagonal cracks are an issue, too. That could be a bowing on a port wall. There's a lot of times there's a sister masking crack to it. So it's a good idea to call us, uh, not only for water issues, but structural in the crack in, in, in industry. That we know, uh, can tell you basically if it's a problem or feature problem and so forth. All right, mm-hmm. 800-246-9721? That is correct. Mm-hmm. All right, Randy Pentano, Senior Project Expert at Helitech. Uh, Randy, will you stick around a little bit more or you have to head off? Yes, I can stick around. All right, stay tuned.